I'm amazed how many people own stocks. Welcome to the Playing Footsie Podcast. My name's Paul, and each episode, me and the lads get together to talk about the stocks, stock market news, and finance in general. Quick disclaimer, you shouldn't consider anything in this podcast as personal financial advice. If you need such advice, go to a financial advisor. And please remember, when investing in any form, your capital is at risk. So sit back, relax, and let the lads fill you in with all the stock market news of the week. The sucker's going up. Welcome, everyone, to the midweek footsie. This week, because it's earnings month and because it's coming up, in, um, because May's coming up, uh, we want to do our favorite buys for May. Um, Steve D, Steve W have got two stocks that they think are going to the moon in May. <laughs> Love the <laughs> their faces on that one. Uh, no, we don't say stuff like that on here. Uh, these are two stocks that are exceptional businesses that uh, Steve's the Steves want to talk through. Uh, who wants to go first? Which Steve wants to go? Um. Yeah, I'll go first. Uh, yeah, we don't say that stocks are going to the moon in May because unlike Elon Musk, we are not free speech absolutists. We believe that there are certain <laughs> things that you just shouldn't say. Anyway, uh, my stock is twi- No, it's my stock is uh, NVR. It's a house building company. It's based in the US. Um, and it's a stock that's been on my radar for ages. Uh, and it hasn't gone to the moon, but it also hasn't really gone down very much in this last kind of uh, market correction bear market call it what you like i don't really mind the technical difference here so the stock has a market cap of about 14 and a half billion it has two and a half billion in cash one and a half billion in debt so in other words it has more cash than debt which is always encouraging when you're a kind of cyclical business that has to buy a lot of things and there's a recession on the way at least probably anyway uh, so that gives you kind of 13 and a half billion that you would spend on this operating income last year was 1.6 billion, which is about an 11.5% return. Um, think what you like about the kind of housing market. I kind of like those numbers. The house builders generally trade on sort of lowish multiples, but I think there's kind of good value here. And MVR does things slightly differently to some of the other house builders around. So unlike the normal kind of model where you buy loads of land and then spend a load of money on that and then build some houses on it, they tend to just have options to buy land in place. So they keep their expenditures low and keep their kind of... Uh, risk limited somewhat. They assemble most of their stuff off-site and just basically bring it in and kind of screw it together uh, pretty much is their kind of model. And that's a model that served them very, very well. It's a, a much lighter kind of asset model, asset light being a thing that we sort of are supposed to like in companies. Um, it does mean that they don't grow as fast in the kind of upcycle, but looking at the kind of downturn, if they get squashed a little bit with the kind of general cyclical and uh, inflation hit market, I would be looking at buying shares here while they're sort of cheaper because they will. Um, the way they return capital to shareholders isn't by a dividend. They do it by buybacks and they are quite opportunistic with their buybacks. So they tend to buy in stock fairly aggressively when it's low in the cycle because they have that cash around. They haven't sent it all out in buying land. Um, and they, they're run in a way that I really quite like. They're a conservatively run, kind of slightly contrarian kind of house builder. Uh, they're not an aggressive grower, but they are the sort of thing that I would look to add in May when I think there might be some attractive opportunities to buy this. I think definitely anywhere around 4,000, yes, 4,000, uh, as a share price is, is catching my eye here, but uh, maybe even a little touch above that as well. Uh, it's been one I've been looking at for a long time, so I can tell you with some confidence 
doesn't really seem to go down very much. Yeah, it's interesting house builders. Um, they're not very moty, are they? Um, which is kind of what we what puts us, puts a lot of people off the the house builders, and we're kind of buying them. Uh, the way I see it is, we're kind of buying it as a group. Because my first question was, why MVR? Why MVR in particular, out of all the others, uh, DR Horton and, and things like that? Uh, they seem to move together, and there never seems to be the best one out there um, that works. Uh, I don't really have much to say to it because I think it's a really good idea. I, I think it's a really good time to buy these sorts of companies. Um, I, basically, is a contrarian play. Uh, yeah, that's fair enough. So they have net cash of about one point one billion lying around, a market cap of fourteen point six six. If they start firing their buyback gun as they tend to like to, there's a decent bit off the uh, the price coming back in, and that's before we get into things like free cash flow. I agree with you, they're not moaty. They tend to be run in a slightly more conservative way than some of the others. That's not a moat uh, as such. That's a, a kind of stylistic difference, but that is my kind of reason for why that one, rather than DR Horton or Lennar, both of those two trade at lower multiples uh, than MVR of earnings for what it's worth. So I'm I'm in the kind of maybe, I don't know, slightly unusual here uh, situation of trying to pay up for what I consider to be the best of the field. Um, in principle, I'm okay with that, though, I think. Yeah, definitely. Well, um, my stock for me, I think, because it's down, it must be down probably 20 or 30% now, is uh, Warner Brothers Discovery. I think it's time to look at the streaming world and start buying. I can't tell you why you'd buy this over Netflix. I think Netflix is a really good deal at present. Um, recent financial highlights uh 13% growth on in revenues which isn't you know it's 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 not sexy tech and i think that's why the market isn't valuing it very well when other sexy tech and other streaming are growing by quite a bit more i think that uh revenue growth is going to change as things consolidate in the market but I think this is a story where a lot of people are a little bit confused about it right now. They, they're, they're looking at the debt and they're thinking, right, they've only got 200-odd million in cash, in free cash flow at the moment. Uh, it, it, I think there's a little bit of confusion. And I think people that can stick with this stock, Warner Brothers Discovery, and stick to the plan will come out the other end of this quite well and that's obviously only in my opinion uh it's all based on the story that we're telling because that's what warner brothers discovery is like netflix was uh it's a story stock and i think it's going to be one of the main major players in the streaming world uh coming out of this i think by the end of the year you're going to see some really positive numbers uh for warner brothers discovery um but we have to wait and see. Uh, right now, it doesn't look brilliant. The only thing it's got going for it is that it added 3 million uh, in subscribers where Netflix failed uh, to uh, grow subscribers. Obviously, that was offset by Russia, but Warner Brothers Discovery isn't in Russia. It isn't in many of the companies. So the growth story for Warner Brothers and Discovery using Discovery's platform, I hope they consolidate everything together um the stock is down 30 odd percent because cnn plus being an absolute fucking stupid thing to do i said that from day one ever since scott scott uh, galloway was advertising those dunes who's gonna pay for a news channel come on 
who in their right mind was going to pay for a news channel, especially one that is so preachy and and is up its own ass? I just didn't understand why why they thought CNN Plus was going to be a good idea. I think it's the last bad idea. That was the people that came up with this idea are out now. They're gone from from uh, Warner Brothers Discovery. It's time for a new management. It's time. I I think there's a great story here. I think uh, on that side on on that side, I think it's a great story. The numbers we've only got one. Really, only got one proper altogether quarter of numbers so far. So I want to see two or three more quarters before I really make a decision. But I think there's a story here i think there's a lot of value here in warner brothers discovery and that's it and i don't want to hear any more from you two fair enough <laughs> i'll do oh, mine come on. you gotta say something <laughs> <laughs> okay paul um do you like discover uh and sort of warner as well more now that it's not part of at&t i mean i from hearing your kind of thoughts on this before i kind of got the impression that at&t was unloading garbage basically or uh, disposing of debt more or less but you're you're kind of keen on the the spun-off bit no i always thought it was great i i think yeah it loaded it up with a little bit more debt than it should have um because i think uh, at&t on its Mm -hmm. on its own wing can pay off pay off a lot of debt itself it's and so the debt company that AT&T, uh, that Discovery is paying back to, is owned by AT&T. That's just kind of how they do these deals. So the interest payments are actually going back to AT&T as well, which is which is a very crafty crafty way of doing this. Um, quite an interesting way of doing it. And pro- uh, you would have thought it was illegal, but um, there you go. Um, I I've always seen this as a growth. Um, element of AT&T and on its own particularly crossed with the platform of discovery so where AT&T and HBO let's let's talk about HBO and HBO Max that's been terrible you've had HBO HBO plus HBO Max all these random different ways of getting HBO and even and it's still even quite bad here in the UK because HBO over here is essentially licensed by Now TV now that's all going to get taken away from Now TV eventually, as HBO and Discovery s- spread out into the different countries, and that's where the growth story is. Netflix is already around the world. Warner Brothers Discovery is in two, maybe three countries. It's got a lot of growth to go, and HBO is going to be a bit of a driver for that growth, as long as they can consolidate it. That's my problem: is they're too spread out, they're too all over the place consolidate it all down cnn plus fuck that shit off and bring it in force that lot to is it another stupid expensive mistake i think they can recover from that no problem i think that uh david zaslav has uh he, he he's he knows the right direction to he seems to know the right direction to go he's definitely going to be more focused than what um uh, AT&T were doing with it though I, I do think we've probably lost quite an asset in um, I've forgotten his name now doesn't matter he doesn't mean he doesn't mean anymore the uh, the co-founder of Hulu I forgot his name you must know his name no <laughs> oh that's annoying what I've lost uh, it doesn't matter anymore because he's gone he, they kicked him out um, mm. I think that 
yeah, I think Warner Brothers is a value play to catch up with Netflix. I don't think it's going to be the same market cap as Netflix, but I think even if it makes it to halfway, maybe even three quarters of the way, uh, you've got yourself a proper proposition, a real good value proposition here. Maybe it makes it three quarters and then Netflix comes down to meet it. Well, this is Maybe the problem. Maybe it makes it a quarter of the way Netflix comes down to meet it. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is, this is the problem. Is I, I Honestly, while I, while I did see, I, I did figure to myself that Netflix couldn't, couldn't stay at that valuation very long, I didn't think it would come this far. <laughs> I didn't think it was... I thought it was just going to be flat for a few years. I really did. I didn't think that we were going to see this amount of crush in the in the streaming wars and i think that's what's happening i think i think this is a sector i think they they could build a whole sector based around streaming uh now and i think all of these same stocks are being crushed with the bellwether right now and i think that's going to leave a lot of opportunity across the entire market i think you could create an etf with this that will do very well in 10 years. Um, I really think that's a possibility. Okay, I'll do mine because I'm acutely aware we're at 14 minutes and uh, this is only <laughs> meant to be a 7 to 10 minute show. Um, so I have naturally gone too cute. I should have just said by Google, but I have gone with a Portuguese fashion tech founder-led business um so it's uh ran founder jose neves just a little backstory to the company um shortly after leaving college um jose followed in his grandfather's footsteps and opened up a shoe company the shoe company was called swear he was amazed that a japanese person could walk into a portuguese guy's shop in london and buy something it was clear to him at this point that fashion was a, it was a global thing and he wanted to find out who was covering this market globally and, and could he make something that would beat them so he stumbled across the two beasts alibaba and amazon and they'd covered almost every corner of every market, but high fashion remained untouched. So I think this is because in achieving footholds, Barbara and Amazon had to pass themselves off as either discount or cheaper or value. And these are words that are rarely used in high fashion. So um, th there was really nothing doing aggregate demand of fashion. There wasn't an Amazon of fashion. So Jose uh, in 2007, uh, which was probably a terrible year to start a business that needs credit, uh, he... he um, he founded Farfetch, and the name he simply invented was to fetch something from afar uh, and bring it to somebody else. Um, so fast forward to today, uh, we're, we're on 15 years now. Farfetch has built a marketplace with about 4.2 billion in GMV, that's gross merchandise value. Um, it uh, has over 3,500 bra uh, brands sold by about 1300 sellers 3 million active customers uh, across 190 countries they've partnered with richmond they've partnered with uh, partnered with alibaba and they've launched something called luxury pavilion on barber's t-mall which is uh, barber's um amazon store i guess is the best way of explaining what that is um so it's also launched a full suite of software solutions to help designers create new websites apps digital experiences uh, compete uh, complete payments uh, make order management systems help with the logistics help with stock optimization help with content management as well as being in-store um, general admin and in-store payments uh, so revenue as of last 
full year report was 2.3 billion means the business grew at about a 35 percent clip gross profit 47 percent they've recently pivoted into the luxury beauty category with its acquisition of violet gray um looking to leverage its network in fashion it reckons it's about 69 billion just in this sector alone uh, it's from what i can see it's the second largest in the overall fashion category valuation wise this one's so it's just totally wonky it trades on a p of about three uh, and the vast majority of this is income uh, which is generated due to the shoddy ways gap deals with revaluation or if you look at the year before devaluation of inventory and stock um so where is it in terms of price uh, it was 73 dollars it's high it's now 11. um this one has some more risks outside of it just being a high multiple stock um the indecisiveness in china and how it wants to treat its middle class is is a problem uh, europe and the world's worsening relationship with russia is is a bad thing for farfetch um i guess they would counter it by saying that the middle classes are growing in different countries throughout the world farfetch has survived much worse crises in terms of financial um than, than what we're about to head into um it's got a strong cash position and uh, market cap wise it's about 4.65 billion at the moment so it's under two times sales for a roughly 50 percent gross margin company um free cash flow positive net income positive too uh, i think it's a pretty interesting little company mm, agree um you mentioned the kind of uh headwind from sort of china middle class type stuff and that's that sort of speaks to something i've been thinking about a little bit here i get a little bit worried when the growth story for a company is supposed to just be we're going to go after chinese middle class that's the next kind of thing from here china as i see it is kind of culturally more of a a saving uh, culture than than the US is, and they're they're much more careful with their kind of discretionary spend. So, I guess I, I like the idea that when there's a headwind there, you might discount that and then figure out the story kind of independently of that um, particular bit, which which speaks well of Farfetch to me here. I'm on the website right now. I've never seen it before. Um, this ain't middle class. These are like shoes for two grand. <laughs> <laughs> this is ridiculous prices for some of the stuff on here um it's weird it's like a really expensive asos that's what it looks like uh, i think its website can be a lot could be a lot more luxury because the website just looks like uh it looks like a squarespace site um i reckon they could do something a bit better with this uh but yeah damn like sunglasses a lot of it is like um, it's not yeah no that's fair that's fair i uh it's uh it looks it looks uh it it's looks like something i would never buy <laughs> looks like things i would never buy and i suppose uh that has that stopped me from getting into the high fashion uh side of things it's way out of my circle of competence i think i think um really it what do you mean they don't sell burgundy t-shirts on these things then no <laughs> not our price he wants to pay. <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna go one of my favorite uh, things one of my favorite things to do paul by. is um have have a look search for balenciaga have a go at spelling that yeah if you can. i did and see balenciaga, in the words yeah. high high visibility high visibility after no they're selling what can only be described as a builder's site cut and that's literally what it is and it's on and the link takes you too far fetch and it's two thousand eight hundred and ninety pounds plus VAT. 
for uh, it's a sight coat. It's an illuminous, <laughs> illuminous yellow sight coat with the you know the silver strips and the blue bottom and the pockets and the the fleece inside. Oh I my think god! Oh my god! I I thought you were like like sort of like nope. exaggerating that a bit. You know that like nope. like it might be like a high vis coat with a with like a, a skinny guy in it, and it was a bit. This is I've got this coat in my car right now. I've got this coat mm-hmm. in my car. I swear to you, it looks exactly the same as this, except it, it doesn't say B L N C G on it. Uh, two thousand eight hundred and ninety pound. What? 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 What's going on? There's a there's a Tesco so, so, bag, a Tesco bag that says yeah, Balenciaga on it bag, for yeah. nine hundred and twenty five quid. Oh my god, that's a Tesco. They bag. also do. Um, they also do a. That Paul. They also do a croc with a, like a nine inch heel. Yeah, I'm well. just looking at Blenciaga it now. Blenciaga to me remains a social experiment to see if you can put <laughs> a label on something and see what money you can extract out of people for what is essentially bog standard stuff or rubbish. I have no stuff. use for this Tesco thing. I'm holding enough bags as it is. <laughs> oh my gosh. These are incredible. They've got a logo on a high heeled croc. Which is something, by the way, I was talking to my missus about with uh, Crocs the other day uh, and just going, are they cool now? And she was like, yeah, I think so. I thought just nurses wore them. And (laughs) so, yeah, Crocs looks like it's going to be the next Monster Energy. Uh, Balenciaga oversized T-shirt, which just says Mm. DS5 on it. £540. What is going on? What is wrong well, with the world? Next week on the Playing Footsie Midweek Show, it'll just be me because these two will be off selling <laughs> Tesco bags and high vis and stuff like that. <laughs> it's uh, just I, for I the benefit of the people you... at home. I've just dropped you to. I've just dropped you to uh, a fashion item into our little chat that we have here. Please just check it out to me and explain to me what you see. I will cut down the gap All so right. we can have a little bit. Hold of time on, today. I'm ready. Oh, he rips While it loads. Sorry. Hold on. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, so I, okay. so I see. Has a big so I see. Name. So I see prison shoes with a heel here. So this is <laughs> these are the shoes. These are the shoes you get when you're that you're issued uh, on your first day being incarcerated in the UK, uh, and they have, they have what looks like. Um, uh, you know from ikea the little stands that you get underneath your your uh your cheap tables the little um screw in mm. uh things that's what it's that's what the heel is that's what it's held up with what is going on here is this is this owned by banksy or something is this is this like a joke <laughs> and it's uh, your choice of color you can have it in black or in white you can. It's basically a pair of ASICS trainers with a bolt screwed into yeah. the bottom of them, is from what I can see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's and a weird way around. £975. Yeah. They've, they've formed them. Uh, obviously, they've formed them to be a heel because there's no way that these trainers can do that. But, yeah, these are, these are specifically... Uh, very similar to well, they are the ones you get in prison, um, which is probably why they they're quite hmm. it's quite a f- interesting. This is a bank. This this, this is your is way of kind of investing in 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 basically Sorry. trash, Steve. You wouldn't buy waste management <laughs> shares, so you thought you thought maybe this for me. Well, I realise they only have one of these left, so they're selling. So uh, uh, who wants one shoe? 
<laughs> it's fashion, Steve. Come on. I, I realise we've forgotten that we're on a podcast. <laughs> we're just looking through fashion, like high fashion stuff on Farfetch. Um, obviously, so that is that is my problem uh, with with this. Is I don't get any of this. I don't get it. I I am attempting to live relatively frugally so I don't have to work anymore. And as a double up on that, I don't want to look like this. I don't want to look like I'm wearing pajamas. Uh, and the sailor's hat. <laughs> what is going on? Uh, call me, call me old fashioned. I guess I, I just don't want to look like this. Um, and I, I guess uh, for that reason, I'm out because it's just way, way out of my circle of competence. Because I can't tell if I like any of, of this stuff. I don't like any of the products. I wouldn't ever <laughs> buy the products. I think you're a fucking idiot if you do buy any of these products. So. I, I just can't get my head around it. Sorry, uh, that's my two cents on this company. Enjoy. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, I, I think don't we'll think leave I have it there. Anything much to add to that? Yeah, we've uh, gone a bit over there because I'm, I'm just looking at uh, my old Converse trainers, which are battered and bruised, by the way, for 370 quid. Um, I'm going to be on this site all night just laughing my ass off. Uh, thank you very much for watching, guys, uh, to the Midweek Footsie. We'll see you on Sunday. <laughs>